good afternoon or good morning, depending on whether you're at. My name is James Fauntleroy, and you are watching the JB Font channel. It is so good to see all of you here with me today. I would just like to say good morning. Uh, well, it's 107 in the afternoon here, but just to let you guys know that the JB Font Show is available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you can subscribe there. Excuse me. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. You can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on RBN throughout the week. Please make sure to give this video a thumbs up if you like what you're hearing. And if you are new to the channel, I want you to take that beautiful, beautiful thumb or finger or click the mouse, that cute little mouse that you have, and press the subscribe button along with the notification bell so that you know whenever we go live because you know that the YouTube algorithm doesn't like us. And also, if you do, I might give you cookies. Who knows? If I can give them through the screen, I definitely would, right? <laughs> I want to give a shout-out to all my patrons on Patreon and Coffee, as you can see in the Chiron, uh, you know, scrolling down below. Thank you all so much for your contributions, as well as having your faith in me, you know, to be able to talk about these issues. It really does mean a lot. So it also proverbially and literally keeps the lights on. So thank you so much. I want to give a shout out to all the people who are watching me also, not just on YouTube, but also on Twitch, as well as Rumble. <laughs> I got it out of my head for a second. And you know, if you guys are not subscribed to me either on Twitch or Rumble, then please make sure to subscribe there. I want to say hello to everybody in the chat. Just one big hello. I also want to get to my guest. My guest today is Delilah Berrios. She is the gubernatorial candidate for Texas. Miss Delilah, so wonderful to have you. And it is great. And also, you are my first candidate ever to be on my channel to talk. <laughs> Well, that is a hell of an honor. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, mm -hmm. I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah, thank you for the time. And mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm excited to be your first uh, candidate. I'm not the only governor candidate, but I, I hopefully I'm the only one you'll consider voting for <laughs> if you live in Texas. You're the only one I'll consider. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um, unless unless there's somebody who has the same policies that are outside of the duopoly, no, you're the only one. Um, but I just want to let everybody know that, of course, uh, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are very concerned about the different issues that have been raised, especially within the last few weeks. I would like to get to those. Uh, and also, if you, you know, have some comments uh, about what was said today please make sure to put them down them down in the comment section below as well um so my first question for you um mr lila uh and this is really just more of a, of a surface question but what is the main driver for you that caused you to decide to run for governor Mm, yeah, that's uh, that's probably one of the easiest questions for me to answer because um, I've lived here my whole life and I've been, um, you know, my experience is, is a lot like a lot of other people's and I was poor a lot and we didn't have the same quality of life expectations that other classes did. 
<clears throat> and it wasn't obvious to me until I moved up a little bit, you know, kind of mid-class. Um, and when I lived in Austin, I just saw the differences. And especially working in the medical field, it's so clear. You can see the differences in how people's quality of life changes depending on how much money they make. And and that's something that I want to do. I, I don't, I feel like we're denying our children futures at this point. Everybody yeah. who's a climate change denial denial person is uh, yeah. is against your children having a future. <laughs> and all of these people, they have these platforms, they have the money, they have the funding, they come to your neighborhood, they say, oh, they sell you hopes and dreams, and then they forget about you. And you're yeah. stuck in the same systems of oppression that you always have been. And it's seeming, you know, people are unwilling to at least speak truth to the problems that we're facing. A lot of it has to do with capitalism, you know, but it's not just that there's growing social and wealth inequality. And I, I kind of just got tired of going to court, you know, and pro protesting pipelines and protesting for abortion rights because it, it was falling on deaf ears. Mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to run because my self, my people, my community, my family, we need representation. We need somebody who's going to be honest, at least, about what's happening mm -hmm. and, and truthful about what they're willing to actually do. Mm -hmm. Well, um, what, and I mean, to be honest with you, you're really also representing someone of your class, right? I mean, how many people who typically run in these races come from well-off families. I mean, right. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, look at, you know, a lot of the governors who have ran in a lot of these states. I mean, you know, for instance, I mean, you had Rick Scott, who basically was a millionaire here in Florida. You had George W. Bush, who was a governor, and he was, you know, son of the president, as well as the grandson of Prescott Bush, who also, they had a lot of money, especially in oil. You have people like J.B. Pritzker back in Illinois, who is a Democrat, is also a billionaire. So, you know, can you give us a little bit of that um, that background as far as your class, like uh, what industry you're in and things like that? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not middle class. <laughs> I'm definitely poor working class, um, okay. like most of us. Uh, I've worked in healthcare for 18 years. Um, I'm a surgical tech, so we're there. Um, you know, most of our patients are under, well, you know, right? Like you're under anesthesia, you're, you're very, it's one of the most vulnerable things to experience having to go yes. in for surgery. And I really felt a calling to be there um, as a patient advocate, as somebody who's there to learn and to grow and to offer assistance. Um, so financially, you know, I mean, I've got, three kids and uh it's uh it was for a very long time i was like the only one paying the bills and things like my my partner was going to school and things like that it's not uncommon normally you know it's hard to to manage all that by yourself and then when you have kids it's, it's you know i don't know if you're familiar but they're very expensive <laughs> like it's not easy and uh yeah so um i think it's I mean, if you looked at my tax returns, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, she's, she's right here. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> tax returns. What are those? I did, I, I'm so poor I couldn't even follow one. Man, I, wow. I trust me, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you can yeah. look at like my campaign contributions yeah. and all that, and uh, you know, like we have to file everything ourselves. And I, I'm not above the the law. Like I have to do everything by the book. Like anything I do wrong. You know what I mean? It could be a threat to kicking me off the ballot. And so it's really hard to um, compete with these people who have like endless amounts of money to just, you know, spend on things. Um, they don't have to worry about the same problem. Like they're, they're kind of shielded from the problems of people like you and me. Cause like I had a healthcare problem. I had to go to the hospital a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, Oh my God. It's going to cost so much. You know what I mean? And like, these are people that I work with and I love and respect, but I'm just like, it's going to cost so much. Like, I don't want to go get care unless like I absolutely have to. And that's most of us. I mean, even some of the doctors are like, eh, <laughs> they don't want to go to the hospital if they don't have to. Healthcare workers are the worst patients. To anybody that that offends, I'm sorry, but that's been my experience. <laughs> wow. Just okay. because we're like, <sighs> Cause it's expensive. It's expensive. Yeah. yeah. Everybody knows and, that. And you know, what's coming too. like, if you know, because you know, and you're in that field, it, it, and I, I guess it's kind of like me because I've been, I've been on dialysis for 15 years now. And mm -hmm. so it's like going to the hospital to me, is like going to a holiday inn. It's like, I know what's about to happen. I know exactly what to expect. And it's just yeah. like, it's like, okay. And it's funny. Cause I'll sit down and, you know, they start taking my vitals and they'll ask me, you know, are you in any pain? I said, no, nausea, vomiting, shortness of breath, chest pains, no falls, no new medications, no, you know, you know, uh, no recent, you know, uh, medical events. You know, this is what's going on, you know, and I'll even give them give it to them by the medical terms. And then they'll be like, all right. Well, then, then they leave. You know, it's just like. Well, you did our job for us. We don't have to ask all these, you know, and I was like, what are your medications? I'm on this and this many milligrams, this and this many milligrams, this and this milligrams. And I take this how many times a day? It's just, it's a lot. But it's kind of funny how, how, that you talk about that because that's actually going to be one of my questions about healthcare. Um, so I, I know that's kind of in the forefront of your mind because that's also your profession that you're in. Uh, my next question would be, and, and I think that might be part of it, but what is the top three policies that would be your first priority to implement as governor, either through legislation or executive order? Um, I call it Medicare for all y'all. And I just really, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Basically, everyone is covered. It's a, it'll be a statewide single payer system. Okay. So everybody, and eventually, you know, it'll help make sure that... Um, these events, like going to the emergency room for a lack of preventative care and things like that are, you know, hopefully non-existent anymore. You know, mm -hmm. my, my, my main goal is to just see people cared for fairly. And I think that no matter what kind of insurance you have in this state, everybody that I talk to is for it because they know in the end it's going to save more money and and it'll save more lives and that's really what we all care about so that's my top priority i also have um ubi and a higher um living wage um basically we spend millions potentially billions of dollars subsidizing the fossil fuel industry so okay. those funds are in my mind being absolutely wasted 
So I would mm. like to reallocate that fund, those funds to making sure that people do have at least a $20 an hour living wage or mm. UBI say, because I know a lot of people who have chronic illness and are on disability and that mm-hmm. shouldn't be a poverty sentence for you, right? Yeah. Because you need, because you're sick, that shouldn't be a poverty sentence. You should have the same standard of life and quality of care as everybody else should. So mm-hmm. that's, so that's my second, that's kind of lumped together. And then um, third is a, uh, legal recreational marijuana. And I we're going to actually update because we think that anything that has medicinal value should be decriminalized and legalized. Um, okay. So we're going to expand on that because it's necessary. But uh, yeah, those are the top three. I've got more on the website, but um, you know, most of it is me and like two or three other people like going over, you know, making sure that edits are gone or right and things look good. But um, yeah, I mean, we're small operation um but that doesn't mean we're not dedicated you know of course yeah yeah uh you know so your top priorities are going to be healthcare, um a universal basic income and um my goodness my my brain just my i just had a brain fart the weed uh, and, <laughs> and and weed uh you know so basically a uh, uh, cannabis legalization uh, which actually kind of goes in tandem with healthcare as well, and um, criminal justice reform too. Yes, criminal justice reform as well, and healthcare ties into patient rights, which yeah. is also something that we have lost in this state due yeah. to our current governor. Yeah, who has been a, a a vast disappointment, you know, as far as you know the people of Texas. You yeah, know, Governor Greg Abbott. I mean, you know, he. He is, uh, you know, you even have, you know, <laughs> liberals coming up to him and screaming at him during press conferences now. He's not, you know, he's not the best, I should say. No, yeah. no. And he, that's why, you know, he's not our best and brightest. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't speak for all of us, you know. Yeah. Um, he's still, he's a bigot. And I, and I don't mean that it's just like I'm picking on the guy. I Like, he's very backwards in his thinking and unwilling to to grow or or be you know what i'm saying better so mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot you can do with him in my mind but some people would say he's more of a traditionalist what would you say to that like traditional as far as white supremacy or limiting people's basic human rights that kind of tradition yeah that's not my tradition <laughs> Yeah, as a black queer guy, there's some traditions that deserve to go away. And so those are some of the ones that I'm actually willing to just toss to the side. Uh, but yeah, um, you know. Who could blame you? Yeah. <laughs> Most of the, the yeah. gay people that I know in this state get married somewhere else because they're like, we really don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We don't want to deal with the all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, they're so, it's so politicized and um, mm-hmm. people are just like so angry all the time. And I'm just like, but you're not even you're completely avoiding the root mm-hmm. system systemic problems on a continual basis and i'm tired of hearing that yeah yeah so i got you uh i because you talked about ubi uh one of the things that i wanted to go into my third question is on jobs this is mm-hmm. something that's on the mind of a lot of people especially here in the united states we just came through a massive pandemic over one million people have passed 
away, died during the pandemic, really because I think of government negligence, but that's an entirely different conversation. But according to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, Texas has an employment, an unemployment rate of 4.3%. How would you respond to people who say that the rate of unemployment is already good? It can't get that much better than this. I mean, that sounds pretty weak. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, Texas is full of a lot of hard workers. I mean, I know a lot of people who have multiple jobs. Just because the rate is down doesn't mean the quality of living is up, right? Uh, we So we have a lot of people employed, but do they have health care? Do they have a clean environment to raise their children in? Do they have public transportation so they can get where they need to go? I mean, we're not even addressing the fuel crisis or anything like that. And... Uh, who, who, whoever's patting themselves on the back right now, you need to stop. <laughs> we are not anywhere. You know, most people understand that we could be doing a lot better and we should be. So, yeah, just because the employment rate's down doesn't mean that people are doing well. Yeah, yeah. And and that's a great response. Um, uh, you know, I live in Florida, so, you know, I I basically live in Texas, but with alligators. And less cowboys, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus, the people can be a little bit more ridiculous. But um, mm -hmm. one of the things that it, it, it tripped me out because, of course, you know, some people know that you know I'm trying to move because our rent is jumping, uh, and so within the area, um, my mother stopped by another apartment complex about a block from here, and their rent is literally their place is no is not as their place is either at the same level of quality as ours or lower mm -hmm. and they're literally charging a thousand dollars more than what i pay right now yeah 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 that face exactly no i don't i mean I, listen i got lucky I, you know what i'm saying we're we're lucky yeah. that we own a home and we have a mortgage to pay because I don't even know, you know what I'm saying? Like I used to, just quick side story. I always showed my, I was like, oh yeah, Chris Farley's great. Cause I always thought he was really funny. And I showed my kids about them, about him. And so we were like, that's the dream living in a van down by the river. because It's getting so bad. Like my kids have already, my eldest has already seen two recessions, two housing crises. Like we're not, and and what are you really paying for? What's the value of just basic shelter? You know what I'm saying? And and it's just a basic human need that everybody has, and we keep people trapped in these unfair economic systems, and then expect them to just keep contributing. And why? How? It doesn't work like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And people want to blame homelessness on the individuals instead of the systems that make this possible. Mm -hmm. Why, why? I don't understand. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the homelessness rate, uh, this, this figure has been, you know, touted by many people over and over, but I think number one, it's higher. Number two, they don't account for people who are living in hotels and on couches, but there's 500,000 people, you know, sleeping out on the streets. 
people who are houseless, I also count people who also have to live in hotels, I'm sorry, motels, uh, mm-hmm. people who also have to sleep on others' couches and things like that, I also count them. So the homelessness rate is actually significantly higher uh, in, my, in my estimated view. But uh, with things like a, at, at the interim, with things like a, a statewide rent control, if I'm not exactly sure if Texas actually has one, but would that be something that would be on the table as well? Or I think it'd be necessary. Control? This trend that we are on right now is just simply unsustainable. There's no way that this is going to last. You know what I'm saying? That people cannot handle. Listen, in 08, I was a, a new mom. And my parents lost their place and they had to stay with me in a one bedroom apartment. And that's just because it happened so quickly and everybody can tell this is, this is the trajectory is unsafe at the very least. So yeah, I think some sort of rent control, I think some sort of just, we need better housing. We don't need like vouchers. We don't need like tax write-offs. Like we need housing for people. They need to be safe. You know, I think, um, it's responsible thing to do. We do have a lot of, um, you know, gentrification, especially in places like Austin, where we also have a fairly high homeless population too. And it's just like, you know, we have all these like office buildings and places that are um, not being used. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. That's why, you know, we're all about eco-socialism like there has to be a balance somewhere you know there has to be some sort of balance that is sustainable anybody arguing against that is just a liar (laughs) because that's the only way to save you know to protect the future for anybody not just yeah but delilah all you got to do is work hard and just get a really good education and then you're fine right yeah no I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people with master's degrees that are having to work at Starbucks and places like that. And then they get, I hate that stigma where like, oh, it's unskilled labor. I'll tell you what's unskilled labor, sitting down all day, letting other people make money for you. That's unskilled. Anybody could actually do that. You're the ones that are leeching off the rest of us. So... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not here to be friends to billionaires at all. So yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah, I I think that a lot of working class Texans will look at, especially a lot of these people who um, make all this money, and then they get subsidies from the government, whether either oh, yeah. the Texas the Texas government or the United States government. And they look at them and go, well, wait a minute. I'm basically damn near homeless. And, you know, this guy is already making, you know, millions of dollars off of oil here in Texas. And yet, you know, he's getting more from the government instead of me. Like, what what sense does that make? You know, and then I'm not making that much, you know, at my job. And so I'm struggling to get by having to work to two and three jobs just to survive, you know? So you have a lot of people who are working class in Texas who are really feeling the pinch, you know, and and, and yet, you know, you have a lot of people who are super wealthy who, you know, and, and, and some of these people who are super wealthy came from California. 
Right. Because now they're saying, well, you know, they don't want it, you know, it, it's, it's easier. You can keep more of your taxes and things like that, you know, in Texas, you know, but at the same time, what something that I think that a lot of people don't realize is when the government does do something right, those taxes can actually go to pay for something worthy, right? Instead of in the form of like PPE loans for people who don't need them or things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, and then that's the thing. I think that right now people are actually getting to a place where they're like, wait a minute, hang on. That doesn't work for me. No. And, and, uh, and I'm all about empowerment. I'm all about empowerment. You know, that's why as a Green Party candidate, you know, we, we talk a lot about direct democracy because we know that that's really going to be more impactful than just, you know, like we're a political party. Yes. But we also understand because we came from the same classes and come from the same working class people that, that's the best way. Like you have to go show up at people's offices and bother them and tell them what your needs are. You have to leave voicemails. You have to write letters. You have to protest. And at this point, everybody is just like, we're in a good place to actually kind of coalesce our power right now. Mm -hmm. And I wish people wouldn't have this mindset that, you know, you're only limited to your power through your vote. Like that's just one method you to use and i support all of them <laughs> you know okay. like yes i'm running for office but also like what are you doing this weekend you want me to come hang out with you and and uh you know what i'm saying like protest the pipelines or or talk to greg abbott or sit outside the mansion and just you know what i'm saying where's the accountability that we were promised anyway it's been two years yeah i kind of so knew right like i knew in 2020 i was like I don't like this trend. <laughs> I'm honestly never, most people that are close to me are like, I wouldn't have expected you to do that, but I'm so glad you are. And, uh, and it's just because, you know, we, we all have to do our, what we can. I mean, I'm a little bit limited, but this was something that was available to me. And uh, it's, it's so important. Anyway, I just, it's important to be involved. And I know that it's a struggle because a lot of people are struggling, but it is still important to be involved in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So my next question has to do with education. So according to U.S. News, Texas is currently number 34 out of 50 for education. What are some of the prescriptions that you would administer to raise the level of education in Texas? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of uh, funding. I The whole zip code thing where like you only donate to your school is weird to me. I don't think that that's a appropriate way to kind of really invest in our youth. Like we all say we're supposed to. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really important that, um, pre-K through 12 and beyond is free. It's free to the students because mm -hmm. they're supposed to be paving the way forward, right? We're supposed to invest in them. That's the only way we can actually invest in them is by giving them free education. And I don't understand why these uh, enterprises are kind of preying on young people with college loans and student debt. So I want to do whatever I can to help that because it's clearly not enough. You know, they want us to work full time, but they don't want us to pay 
people can't afford childcare. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people can. And uh, yeah. if they want people to work and be dedicated workers, they need to offer something. So yeah, your kids should be able to go to school. There should be plenty of services after school. There should be plenty of times. And even our structured learning environment doesn't really work for all the kids. So I'll just, my son had, um, had, you know, special needs um, when he was in second and third grade. And at one point they cut funding to the services that him and all of the other students in that grade needed. And it actually directly delayed his learning for about two years. We had to catch him back up because at one point somebody in the line decided we're not going to spend that money where it's supposed to. And who cares about those students? And it wasn't until the public started, you know, calling him out for what they did, that there was some tiny bit of accountability and services were restored. But that's, that's the problem is there's no accountability for these people that get elected to office to actually serve the people. And I'm tired of that. (laughs) I know a lot of people are. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, an anecdotal uh, example, but when I was uh, in my sophomore year, we were recruited by a magnet high school to go there to learn a trade. Uh, I decided to go to that magnet high school and learn commercial foods and culinary arts in that school. Uh, I had friends who went for digital publishing, some went for EMT paramedic, uh, some went for auto bodies, some went for welding, different ones. Yeah. Uh, And so because of that, during my junior and senior year, I was able to get trained in that trade and go straight into the industry out of high school and I could circumvent college. Yeah. And uh, I think one year after I graduated was the last year that they had that program and then they cut funding. And so that magnet high school ceased to exist. Right. And, who, and how many so, generations are denied that path because of that decision? Yeah, definitely. That's awful. And, and my, my one of my friends at the time, his younger sister was going to go because her two older siblings went. Right. In fact, he went for plumbing and he was uh, doing he did new plumbing on brand new homes. Okay. And at the age of 19, he was able to buy his own home at 19. That's, like, that's what we want, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she couldn't go to that school anymore because it was over. Uh, so, and, and then you touched on a, a part where, you know, about funding. There's... There's a lot of schools that, you know, and, and, you know, we talk about this a lot with Savvy Sabs because she is in education. Excuse me. She was explaining about how a lot of schools receive funding through property taxes. And so different areas have different levels of property tax, depending on how, you know, affluent the area is. And so if it's a poor area, then that means the school is going to have more less funding. That being said, then that means the quality of education is also going to be lower. So these kids are going to suffer based on, you know, you know, a property tax. Whereas uh, my question to you is, 
you know, how could we change that so that there is a blanket, equal, equitable range of education throughout the state of Texas? Yeah, um, I would suggest doing a constitutional amendment to grant every citizen equal opportunity to education and services like that training. Mm-hmm. I, and and that's how it should be, but we can enforce it. You know what I'm saying? We have a we have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I know people that are wealthy are like, what do we do about all these systemic problems? You address them with your money. <laughs> that's how you fix them. You want this town to be beautiful and fun and hip. You have to put your money where your mouth is. You you know what I'm saying? Like you don't get to just reap the benefits without having to pay into mm-hmm. the systems that make sure everybody benefits, you know? Yeah. I, I don't like this whole competition Hunger Games lifestyle. <laughs> like yeah. your kid's yeah. gonna get into a school, but this kid's never gonna get a chance to try. Yeah, that's true. Uh and when you say free education, there are many who are gonna watch this program and say, well nothing is free. What do you mean by free education? I just want that the clarification for the audience. Yeah, you should not have to go into debt for the rest of your life for furthering your education, simply. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of money going to the wrong things that we can play with. I am not trying to enact a state tax on people. That is not my angle. I'm saying we spend a lot of money on the things that don't help our communities. We need okay. to fix that. Yeah, because I I don't want to lessen people's rights. I, as a woman in this state, especially a woman of color, know exactly what it's like to not have their rights. So I understand when people don't want to lose more of them. I get that. And so that's not our angle. Our angle is to actually make the government work the way it's supposed to in this state. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but Greg Abbott denied, um, you know, COVID funding. He's like, nah, and he just turned it away. And it's like, well, what happened to it? Where where did that money go? You know what I'm saying? Like you say you didn't accept it, but am I supposed to believe that considering your behavior? No. <laughs> so I'm only one person. I can only read so many articles <laughs> every week, you know, to keep up to date on everything. So, I mean, yeah, I, there's a, I think that there should be trade programs and all kinds of things to help people be more independent. I think everybody deserves that right, you know? So from what I'm gathering is you're basically saying that you think that uh, education throughout should be free at the point of service, Uh, treating uh, college, especially like you do high school, as far as funding is concerned. Is that is that correct? Yeah. For instance, um, a lot of the, the doctors, when they are doing their training, it's kind of like a work program, right? They have to continue their training there. And that means they're, they're giving so many hours of labor to the hospital, services offered, things like that. And it's mm-hmm. not unfair. Like they usually are able to, you know, I mean, a lot of them have debt, a lot of debt. I know <laughs> that's hard, um, but we don't want more debt for more people. We want to lessen that, right? And we want to make sure that other people have different types of opportunities. There's so much... There's so much that needs to be done. We don't even have decent public transportation in our state. We don't have enough renewable sources of energy in our state. There's a lot of work to be done and it can be done in a way that's equitable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I mean, as, if 
if you're talking about also doing things that are more sustainable, that means taking, you know, especially different parts of Texas that are, in a sense, concrete jungles and turning them back into more of a, a lush green infrastructure that, you know, Texas used to have. You're basically like the people who like to hunt and fish and camp and things like that. You're basically trying to create more opportunities for them to do what they like, right? So I mean, that- in a way, we have a lot of private landowners in Texas, and I'm so proud of that, you know, but it's hard and it gets harder and harder every year for them to absorb the cost of maintenance and all the things that it takes to keep. So we need to incentivize more of that. We need more farmers. We need more workers. We need people. Yeah, everybody should have access to free or not free food, but healthy food. Mm-hmm. I mean, concrete jungles, food deserts shouldn't be a thing, especially in a state like this. We have no lack of resources, honestly. We just have a lack of priority with those resources. Lack of priority. Okay. Now, this next question is going to be within your wheelhouse, okay? Healthcare. Mm -hmm. Uh, So healthcare is definitely a massive issue being that we are in a pandemic. Uh, And you said you are a surgical tech by profession. According to the comptroller of Texas, in 2019, the state had an uninsured rate of 18.4%, which was twice the national average. What can be done for Texans to have more widespread health care? Yeah, again, with the resources, we've had some hospitals close down. People in, in rural communities are forced to drive far distance to get care that they need um so in my mind saving costs with a program that like medicare for all or statewide single payer would would make sure that there's enough services to go around if it's not all focused on profits it'll be focused on actual wellness and health care gotcha we are one of the most underinsured and un- uninsured states i mean i actually know some nurses who are like, ah, I don't have health insurance right now. And they work here. And that's just a loss they took. You know what I'm saying? They're like, it's complicated and expensive. So as long as I'm covered, I mean, I love these people. I love all of the people. I know that they're hard workers. I know they're dedicated. I know they love their families. But none of this is good for you in the long run. And however it needs to be, I'm not trying to make myself some money on this campaign. I'm trying to empower you to demand better for yourself as a citizen. It's these are basic human needs that are not being met. Yeah. It, it's not that hard when you really look at it, you know? I, and so, yeah, a statewide single payer would save people money. It would help everybody get the care that they need. I need to see a specialist. I have to wait two and a half months to see a specialist and I have decent health care. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not working, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the, the the part about education that I think is is good to implement is something that also creates creating a, a, a financial incentive to create more uh, uh, general practitioners, have them going to school and maybe taking instead of those subsidies going to oil, those subsidies can go towards education for more general practitioners, more mm-hmm. techs more nurses to have within the state and then also implementing a single payer system would also, and and then also giving incentives for them to move out into rural areas 
Yeah. You know, maybe subsidies for for for, for rural uh, doctors, nurse practitioners, people like that, to go out into these areas, so that the people in these areas as well can be well taken care of health wise, with health health being free at the point of service. Uh, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, a, a healthy Texas is a happy Texas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Health, and not- we talk about mental health care too, but that's been in the news a lot this week. Oh, so, yeah, they conflate violence with mental health issues, but they don't want to talk about poverty. <laughs> you know? <very laughs> yeah, is- no, I, I know doctors that have been like, I can't afford to live here. I have to move. Good doctors. <laughs> and they're leaving and they have to find, you know what I mean? They have to pay for their kids' education. They have to pay for childcare, and and they need to be able to keep a home and and honestly if you don't like you have to actually be here and talk to people here and and kind of to get an understanding like i think everybody's at a place where they're very concerned Mm. they're very concerned about the trajectory Uh, especially working in healthcare you notice trends and um you know what i'm saying like you'll see people coming into the er you'll see them needing emergency surgery for things that could have been preventable, prevented they, if they had just kept on their medicine or kept, on, you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's just unfortunate that nobody has been willing to do what's necessary to make that not happen anymore. I mean, even ACA was not enough. It was barely enough. It was like a Mitt Romney plan, right? I mean, and it had many flaws. So this is the only solution is to really tackle it head on you know, with the priority that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, the ACA, a.k.a. Romney Care, a.k.a. Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, was really just a massive financial giveaway to the insurance companies yep. that, you know, throughout the United States. And these companies, their job is to pull money out of your pocket and deny you the services that they said that they would pay for. Right. That's really the business model of them. Uh, governments, instead of basically making it a single payer system, would get rid of that profit incentive so that it actually just pays for your health care and it spreads it out throughout. Um, now, I, for one, you know, think that you know, single payer healthcare is in the right direction. I would rather see it, excuse me, completely nationalized, but that's my personal opinion. But sure. even still, you know, a, 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 a single payer system is basically something that makes sure that people, you know, who are on the lowest rungs of society have the same equal and equitable healthcare as somebody who is uber rich. Mm-hmm. So I, I I think that some that's something that people you really need to take into account, you know. And every single time, you know, you look at your hospital bills, think about Delilah for Texas, and think about, you know, I could, you know, if if I have somebody like her fighting for me, then you know, as as well as, you know supporting whenever we protest about our health care, then I at least have somebody that's going to, you know, try to help me to 
make sure that I can take these bills and throw them in the trash because I will no longer need them. Yeah. I will no longer need to pay them. You know? Right. So, there's a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people are, are worried about job security, too. And I know that's just a fear tactic from right wing people saying, you know, trying to scare you from from having a system that works for you. Because it's not I think healthcare is actually one of those things that does bring all classes together because we're all kind of stuck in this system that isn't perfect. And you know what I'm saying? And it's there's obvious flaws that we're noticing. I think no matter how much money you have, you're still going to be exposed to the systems that make you drive to this hospital versus another one or me you know what i'm saying i think that is one of the most um it definitely gives you humility being a patient and and all of us are patients at one point all of us need care um we should make it good for everyone that's the only way to make it good you know what i mean that's the only way to 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 make sure that you're getting what you need is making it fair for everyone yeah. I mean, unless you were born in the woods and have lived in the woods your entire life, you have been a patient at one time or another. Or will need to be one. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's got to, something's got to give. We need to do something yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Speaking of doing something better, uh, this actually goes into my next question. Uh, this is going to be a a tough question, but um, I think that is necessary. It's tough as far as the emotional aspect of it. But recently in Uvalde, Texas, has undergone an immense tragedy at Robb Elementary School, and it has, you know, which was, you know, a mass shooter had murdered children and teachers. Public safety is keen on the minds of many Texans, and even people like Beto O'Rourke expressed taking guns away famously a couple of years back during a presidential debate. What do you see is the primary issue and how can we strengthen public safety without encroaching upon Second Amendment rights of Texans? I am a big supporter of community police. Um, I've seen the police down in Austin behave very disrespectfully. We have a bad history in Texas of um, people in these professions using their power. So I think that the best way to head that is to have community polices. I think that their budgets are inflated. 40%, I think, of Uvalde's city budget went towards the police. They had everything they needed, everything and more they needed to try and do their basic job, and they failed to do so. Mm-hmm. So that is, um, that's my, uh, I just keep going back to that because a lot of parents and community members would have gone in themselves if they had been allowed to, but they were prevented from it by the police. And I think that that directly caused more loss of life Mm -hmm. and the way to prevent that. Well, I mean, uh, looking at the Supreme Court, they have actually had uh, precedent set that the police actually do not have a duty to protect you at all. Uh, constitutionally. So with that being said, a lot of people are now questioning the 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 validity or or the the purpose of police. If they do not have a constitutional duty to protect you, then why do they exist? And and what under you know is is for instance arming teachers or 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 
adding more cops, is that an answer to the problem or is that, in your view, treating the symptom? Exactly. You're just you're just putting a Band-Aid on a wound that needs care. And, and that's the situation. Um, Austin did defund their police and they were able to use the money for, for services to get people off the streets and house people and things like that. I know when you say things like, oh, you have to defund the police, people have this like, oh, what are you saying? You know, like, like, a, like anytime we talk about anti-war policies, people are like, oh, you don't care about our veterans? No, I love our veterans so much. I want them to stop dying for capitalism. Like, mm-hmm. I love our community so much. I want them to be functional and not vulnerable to the failures of the police that take most a lot of your budget. Because it's been hard. I have children, and we've talked a lot about this. And um, everybody wants to know, like, why? And they want to make excuses. Oh, this guy, he was crazy. Oh, you know, this. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, I'm so glad that the community filmed what was happening and reported on what was happening. If it weren't for independent media, would we have even known the entire story? I don't know. I don't know that that's true. Um, and, and that's part of what I, I feel that there's definitely, there's, there's some complicity on both the police department, but also the people who are selling these things. I mean, there, shouldn't there be a limit to how much you can buy at one go? Probably. And the fact that they are not um, held responsible or accountable for the things that happen is because a lot of these politicians take money from the NRA and the gun lobbyists and things like that. But just because the gun lobby is fighting for you to not have rights and fighting for policies that don't benefit you, doesn't mean that you as a community cannot arm yourself and, and, and make sure that you feel safe. Because no, I don't think that we should have more guns in schools. I think that's that's op- like the opposite of helpful at this moment. But I do think having a strong community police presence would help. I mean, anybody could be involved. Anybody can can monitor. Anybody can drive around. Anybody can take classes on how to be, you know, smart and careful with their firearms. Um, there's I, my focus is that I think that that's more of a, a help because that also forces people to talk to each other more. That also forces you to, you know, what I mean, like look out for kids that aren't yours. Like the neighborhood that I live in, we all watch each other's kids <laughs> because. It was the most natural thing to do. Like, oh, your kid can come over after school. Oh, and we all do it. And it was very natural. And anybody saying that that something like a community police is a reactionary thing to do is lying to you. It's a very healthy thing for you to do. And it's very healthy for you to be involved directly with your community. I think there's some some ways to kind of limit the ability to to profit off of these sort of disasters. And, and, and you know, absolute just complete failures of our society on a regular basis. Um, And yeah, I I just, I really think that people need to to evaluate what the role of the police are and evaluate, Mm -hmm. you know, whether or not you think it's fair that Mm -hmm. they don't do even the bare minimum to, to protect you. And it's our job to, you know, Mm -hmm. take care of ourselves. Most people who are poor know that already. Yeah. And, and there was an interesting uh, conversation that I had with Franco on Frank Analysis. Uh, it was a panel with myself, Robert Durden, Savvy Sobs, and Glory Jones. 
and we were basically talking about the uh, mass shooting issue that's going on within this country. It's been going on for well over 20 years now. And so, you know, one of the things that we harped on was that these issues that we're having are more of a systemic issue that has an underlying systemic problem that's not being addressed. Yes. Um, because a lot of people either, you know, you have mass shooters who, you know, are white supremacists who, you know, like for instance, uh, the one in South Carolina, Dylan Roof, who went into a church and murdered black people or the recent one in Buffalo who, you know, decided to kill black people, mostly black people in, you know, a supermarket in Buffalo or the one in, you know, Uvalde, Texas, who clearly had some issues. Uh, people, you know, don't address these systemic issues to these problems, uh, especially regarding things like healthcare, housing, because a, a lot of people who are radicalized, especially within the spaces of white supremacy, a lot of times what I noticed is that they are radicalized typically because of their life being degraded by the ultra wealthy and then they're being told that it is people who have more melanin in their skin that's the problem mm -hmm. and so if your life is if the the, your, the material conditions of your life are better then you really don't feel that pain and then you don't really feel the need to blame people. Now it's not going to be everybody because there are some people who just have it with deep within their hearts and they're too far gone. But there are some people who fall into that, who think that, well, this is the reason why we're going through so much, you know, crap right now is because of these people versus the people who are telling them this are the ones that are actually causing the problems the 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 oligarchs within this country the people who are you know the ultra wealthy the people who are giving away the subsidies to these the fossil fuel uh, and, and the tech billionaires and people like that uh so i mean what what would your you know do you do you agree that there is this systemic issue that could be alleviated with the policies that you said that you were advocating for like would there be a a would there be a i don't want to use the word deletion but there, there will be a diminishing of this violence that we see by you know alleviating some of these systemic issues yeah um i think you brought up a good point where people don't have the incentive to look at the root problems because they're shielded from suffering from these problems. Myself and my family are not. Um, people in my community are not. A lot of us are brown. Um, there have been multiple targets against black and brown communities in this in this state. And let's not beat around the bush. This country is founded on colonialism and capitalism, and it is not working out very well for a lot of us. No. And, 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 you know, you can say, oh, uh, assault rifle ban is the answer, but you're not actually on the ground exposed to the violence that a lot of people are. And a lot of that violence comes from lack of compassion in our systems. 
we don't we criminalize people who are hurt and who need care people who are addicted they have drug issues or or like the i don't remember the guy's name because i don't want to but the one who who went into that elementary school and killed all those people i mean he was a high school dropout he had his own issues they were unaddressed for how long and the worse it gets for you know black and brown and poor and working class people the more these things are going to keep happening as we're noticing all of these things i'm personally blame joe biden for a lot of the things that are happening right now in the country mm. he does not address the root causes um and and he has no reason to and people just say, oh, well, he's only had two years or, oh, he's done this and he's done that. But none of us has seen our lives getting better under this administration. And that's mm -hmm. the truth of it. You know, a lot of these root issues can be solved through a lens of socialism if you're not too scared to actually look into what that means. <laughs> yeah. Be brave, people. <laughs> We're still alive. Um, I know. <laughs> I've always been that person. People like you. I was like. Talking to Savvy, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I get hate mail because you know I'm I'm pro reproductive rights." And they're like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, I told. Of course I do. What are you talking about? You don't get up here and start telling people that they deserve rights and that healthcare is a human right and trans rights are human rights without making some people mad and uncomfortable." And I don't care that, that they need to be uncomfortable. We've all been uncomfortable long enough. It's time for you to have your fair share of being uncomfortable too. But but here's the here's the crazy part though. We're the people who do the hating. We're all part of the same class, and they're being screwed too. Exactly. That's something that I, I. It's like it's like. Hold on, wait a minute. You, you are against trans rights, yet ninety nine point nine percent of all these trans people are working class or even poor, like you and me. Yep. And by the way, they have existed for millennia yeah centuries they're not going anywhere <laughs> they didn't show up because I'm alex queer. jones had I'm a not problem going anywhere <laughs> look guess what even if that? you get rid of me your kid's going to be queer oh <laughs> look, you can't get rid of us <laughs> right? uh, i'm gonna send you a meme later you're gonna love it oh. oh okay i'm looking forward to that but here's the thing let's focus on building everybody up at the same time that's what okay. community is. That is what community yeah. means. Yeah. We don't have to agree on every single point, but mm -hmm. we need to care about each other. And that is not too hard. Most yeah. of the people in this state are decent people. And they would help somebody. They would change your tire. They would loan you money. Like mm -hmm. most of us are like that. And we're not, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's always irritated me. They're like, oh, you're in a red state. You don't care. I love Stephen King's books. I hate that man politically <laughs> do you understand because so many times he's like oh well maybe if y'all voted blue you wouldn't be freezing to death in your homes and it's like i'm so disgusted with this faction of politics that takes these tragedies and uses them to prop up their candidates mm -hmm. that is disgusting and needs to stop like every time i get money i go to somebody's community i fill up their community fridge or i, I you know what i'm saying we have events that are owned by independent people like black and brown uh business owners like that's how it's supposed to be i don't care about this like we're right we're better than you we know what's best for you but we're not going to listen to you i'm sick of it 
<laughs> so yeah. yeah, and and you know, people may not want to agree with me on all of my policy points or or my my considerations, but you should at least know I do care about you, even if you don't like me. I want you to have basic human rights. Yeah, that yeah. should be I'm, the bar is. I, I mean, you're basically speaking about the integrity of the issue. I mean, like for instance, there are some people who really hate my guts. I still you're want so you to nice. have healthcare. I still want you to have healthcare, though. I know, and you're so nice that you're like <laughs> still don't you. want you to suffer, even if you're a bigot. <laughs> Like, you yeah, know, because, because Greg Abbott thing, tried to kick kids off of chip doesn't mean I want him to not have health insurance. Yeah, you because know? the thing is that maybe, just maybe, he will see the value of health care for everybody, and then we can have a conversation, and maybe I can move you from that. But I don't want you to hurt, and I don't want you to die. You right. know what I mean? I, I want you to be healthy so that we can have this conversation, so then you can move and say, man, I was just wrong in this position, you know? But at the same time, you know, it's it's about loving humanity, right? I think so. And I don't think it's a stretch. You know, I think there are just too yeah. many people invested in denying people what they need. Yeah. Definitely. That's really a lot of the problem. I mean, we've got a lot of wealthy people. People love bringing their business over here so they can exploit the low taxes and they can exploit the low wages. That's not right. Yeah. As well as the immigrants, too. They want to exploit the, the people who travel here either through refugees as refugees or the people who come here to try to seek a better life. They also get exploited in this country, too. And let's not forget. So I'm also a member of GPACs, but um, it's it's a Green Party thing. But we often talk about how climate change is and the military industrial complex is a direct cause of migration. Like everybody just wants to blame the individuals that are trying to just survive without mm -hmm. understanding that you're funding their home's destruction actively. You should talk yeah. about it. You should look into it. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're told, you know, like, oh, it's the individual's fault. Actually, if you really want to point fingers, let's look at the prison industrial complex. Let's, let's look at the military industrial complex who profits off of caging people rather than housing them or providing for them or letting them have a job. Oh, we're pro worker. Really? A lot of these people would love to have a job, but you said you spent your money caging them instead and profiting off of their misery. That doesn't make me a bad person just because I'm speaking truth to it. Yeah. And how much money do you guys spend just to keep these people in cages versus actually employing them, paying them a living wage, and then they end up paying taxes within the state and actually helping your economy instead? It's actually, you get a better ROI of just helping you know immigrants to blend into society and help uplift our community than caging them, right? Yeah. You know? And you talk about blending, but I mean, this is colonized land, so. It is. It <laughs> is. is. Like, it is. Let's, let's, yeah, yeah. I'm like, my theory on racist yeah. people is that they can't handle the actual temperature and the fire of the food. And that's why they're mad. They resent not being able to enjoy the things that, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the only, I have to, I have to laugh about it, you know, because it's a thing. It's like, clearly She's you're laughing, laughing somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's my hypothesis <laughs> situation. 
No, it's so, not it's not that hard to care about other people. You know, it's not gonna not. cost you a damn thing to be nice. But you know what? Uh you actually gave a great segue into my 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 next question. So my next question, you know, has to deal with immigration. So the United States was in shock. Um, you know, as we saw how the immigrants coming from places like Guatemala, Honduras, and many other Central and South American countries were treated at the border under the Trump administration. As we have observed, not much has changed under the Biden administration. What do you think our approach to immigrants, especially refugees coming to the United States, should be? And what would you recommend President Biden do regarding ICE? My recommendations for Biden are that he just retire. <laughs> That's my recommendation. I don't think you can teach old dogs like him new tricks. I don't think he's ever going to understand or be in a position to, to, to really, he's not the man to meet this moment. Everybody, just, despite your politics, could probably acknowledge that fact. Uh, you know, I think what you're bringing up is the Title 42 exemptions that uh, Trump administration used COVID to deny people immigration status or naturalization paperwork to, to the U.S. And Biden did the exact same thing. So on the news, you saw all these <clears throat> rangers and people on horses whipping immigrants from uh, Haiti and, and other places. And yeah. um, one of my hopes if I was elected as governor, you know, Texas, like we're supposed to be the friendship state. Like that's our motto. I don't know if you knew yeah. that. It's our motto. I, I didn't know, but it's good to know. It doesn't seem <laughs> like it. <laughs> but I mean, most, again, a lot of people here are good and they're good people. They care. And so ideally we would be good neighbors with our bordering country and we would have, you know what I'm saying? We would have people working over here. We would send people over there to work. We wouldn't, our education systems would would be benefit to them too. It's not a stretch to to just look at some of the problems and be like, we could do better. We could do better. You know, imagine if we set up some sort of system, uh, you know, to speed up the process of immigration and uh, immigrants so that they could start working quickly. Like, imagine if you had somebody versus caging them and separating them from their family in six months' time. We're out in the workforce. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Using our public transportation, paying taxes, being involved. Like that is what it's really about. We have such a sense of individuality that we forget that we alone cannot accomplish much by ourselves. Even if you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps, that doesn't mean you're not going to have, you know, some healthcare problem from working too hard. You know what I mean? That's not, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to retire. I mean, all of us are kind of trapped in these systems that don't work for us. So let's make them work for everyone, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I really want to be able to – we get a lot of our produce and beef from uh, Mexico, and uh, it's, it's, it's always been that way. So yeah. I don't know if you remember, but back when Katrina hit, um, the Mexican Guard came across to help. Um, and, and, yeah, it's, it's – why can't we do things like that for each other? With climate change, we're only going to see more and more disasters, floods, you know what I'm saying, um, yeah. droughts, things like that. We really need to be smart about how we go forward. It's, it's time. It's past time 
to do those things. You know, everybody needs yeah. to eat. Everybody needs clean water. It doesn't need um, to be this unfair. Sorry. Yeah, your 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 sound kind of uh, went down a little bit. Uh, I'm not exactly oh. sure uh, if it's. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I scooted away. Can you hear me? Okay, now. I can still hear you, but it's 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 not as uh, it's not as full of sound as it was before. Um, nope. But uh, I can still hear you clearly, though. I, um, I hope everybody can still hear. Uh, in the chat, if you guys can't hear, just let me know in the chat. Um, but just, you know, say so. Uh, but um, one of the things that I I was thinking about, and I'm sure you found out about this already, is President AMLO of Texas is actually trying to nationalize the lithium industry in Texas. I'm sorry, in, in, in Mexico. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I think that it can also be a, a great relationship between Texas and Mexico regarding, you know, different industries and I'm not I'm not the best person to to quote when it comes to how you know Europe operates when they're regarding their borders, but from what I've observed, it sounds like, for instance, if you want to go, it's more of a free flowing, you know, border. Like for instance, if you want to go between France, Germany, you know, uh, Holland. You just yeah. <laughs> so. And I don't think that they have as many border issues as, you know, we do here in the United States. So it's like, what, what, why, why do we have these issues? Whereas you have other Western nations that basically, you know, have a lot more free flow in their borders between other countries. You know, and people like, for instance, someone, you know, can work in France and then take that train back to the UK. Yeah. You know, I, I just, so. it works both ways. It's a symbiotic relationship, yeah. right? You've got labor, you've got workers, you've got like it all works together because it's, it's, it's both are invested. Both are invested in making sure that the services, for instance, you know, with the Roe v. Wade um, overturning. And, you know, keep in mind, we haven't had abortion rights in the state for a long time since last year. Okay. Yeah. That's, that. you know, everybody's like, oh, you want to talk about it now? And I'm like, could we have talked about it before? But I'll talk about it now. Um, you know, a lot of people would would go across the border for healthcare needs. Because even as an American, you have a better option across the border to get the services that you need. Um so further privatization of things is the wrong direction. Going towards the national system is better. Um, publicly owned utilities and things like that is better overall, you know, because you're, you really have to be smart about how you allocate things. I, I don't, I think, you know, when I think I, when I was a kid, we just, we would go across the border, we'd go shopping, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you'd go to the dentist and, and that was more, affordable than you know trying to wait 
several months to get the care you needed in the States or, you know, not having health insurance. Not everybody wants to have health insurance, but I think everybody needs it. I mean, that's just one flaw in our system. There's so many, there's so many flaws. I don't even have a policy plan for all of them <laughs> because there's so many, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at least viewing it as a, in the scope of we do have the solutions for these problems is, is a benefit because instead of being like, well, I don't want to pay more in taxes. We're not trying to make you pay more in taxes. We're trying to get some of these, you know, people with their hands out for corporate welfare to take a seat. That's really it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I got you. Uh, I'm going to move on to my last question here, mm-hmm. uh, and this has to do with people who basically look like us. So uh, my last question is, in the 2020 census, the population of Black people in Texas was 3.4 million, or 12% of the population. Regarding the systemic racism and white supremacy we face along with our own brown brethren, how can we produce a more equal and equitable Texas for people who look like us? Yeah, there that desperately needs to be addressed. Um, how would it look to even the playing field for people like you and me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, again, I really do support um, you know defunding these systems that don't work. I think we should abolish ICE in its entirety because I think it causes more harm. Uh, there's a lot of harm that's caused from the department. Um, I'm not saying I want people to have not have jobs, but I'm saying that their focus should be more, more towards, you know, humanity and what we need. You think about like the generational wealth gap, you think about the generational, I mean, I still know a lot of like first college grads. I'm the first in my family to go to college and, and get a master's degree. I'm the first in my family. And why is that? How many hurdles did you have to jump to get to that point? Um, and you know, that's the thing is we need to even the playing field so that everybody has the same rights and, and, um, opportunities as everybody else does. We like to think that that's how it is in this country, but it's not, you know, people like you and me already know that, right? Like I, I, um, I had to take a path that was going to get me income (laughs) that I could depend on. I had to take a path that was going to give me, afford me independence versus having somebody pay for me to travel and and learn you know not everybody's afforded those same rights so systemically we need to do so much just to even guarantee people are having their basic needs met um and i would like to hope things like you know having healthcare, saving you money on that and having you know more public transportation and having um a higher living wage would be all the things that we need to do we talk about reparations a lot and green party has had that on their platform for a really long time we're one of the first um political parties to embrace that um but how does that look how does that look for like a state candidate how does that look for a governor election you know what i'm saying how can we make it like is, is it do you just is it a check that you need or is it something do you need your rent capped like, do you, like how how are we going to address that? And I, I imagine there's multiple ways to do that. Um, but, if you know, it looks different depending on who you ask. And so as somebody who it would be elected to office, it would be my duty to see what you want. 
how does this transform into direct policy to you that affects your life in a way that helps you and your family? And, and that's something that we really need to look at because, I, you know, we are a little bit limited. I took this path because the governor has all of this authority. Usually they divert to the states. And I, I imagine they didn't want that to work for somebody like me <laughs> that would try to make democracy work for the people that live there, you know. We're all, it's all geared towards profits and, and things like that, but I'm more worried about the future. I'm more worried about generations beyond ours that that are going to be, we're already being denied. We can't keep it up. So how do we make it work for people? I don't know. I don't know 100%, but I know that it needs to be done. I know that we need to do whatever we can to help make it actually fair for everybody that lives here, because it's not like that right now. And I can at least acknowledge that it is not fair for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much going on right now. Uh, one of the things that I want to do is, and I'm going to share my screen really quick, uh, is uh, if you guys would like to um, do any contributions to Delilah, um, you can go to her website. It's uh, DelilahForTexas.com. Uh, it, you know, basically talks about, you know, just a, a, a little bit of a snapshot of her, um, her platform, but her platform is really, I'm sorry, your platform is really reflective of the Green Party platform, uh, mm -hmm. which the Green Party platform is, is you know, pretty uh, comprehensive, if I do say so myself. Uh, let me share my screen again. Uh, so it also at the top directs you to the Green Party platform. Uh, this actually talks about many different types of uh, policies. Um, uh, like for instance, even political reform it talks about abolishing the electoral college, ranked choice voting. Uh, it talks about, you know, um, statehood for DC, which is something that I don't think I've ever really th thought about myself. So that's something to actually think about. Um, and then, you know, you go into, for instance, the social justice parts, you know, especially regarding healthcare, immigration, and labor. Um, so you talk about, you know, you touched on this about, you know, uh, single payer healthcare. Because you believe that healthcare is, is a right, not a privilege. And so uh, I also put these links in the description as well, because I think these are very important. So to to have these discussions and you know, look, uh, and, and I understand there's a lot of people who also have, you know, some issues regarding the Green Party. Right. Uh, and I'm sure that those things are being worked on or addressed. If they aren't, then, you know, of course they need to. But at the same time, that is, you know, what about, you know, the candidates and how they are, you know, their prescription for alleviating the issues that, you know, we see within our country and seeing that their platform, I don't even really want to use the word progressive because it's been co-opted so much. 
<clears throat> but it but it truly is a position that uplifts the worker instead of instead of the exploiter expect instead of the the ultra rich you know which we noticed that the duopoly has been been doing uh and a lot of people will say well there are many you know uh democrats that are running that have great policies and unfortunately but unfortunately as we notice is that once somebody goes into the democratic party they kind of lose that that chutzpah they lose that you know their 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 teeth are ground down they're they're declawed right mm. yeah yeah uh, I, I mean o'rourke endorsed biden and right before our primary and it shows you you know kind of how easily you lose your power and your voice when you're backing the democratic establishment yeah. uh, to me that just proved like you're not really working for the people you're not you're not worried about the people's best interest you know and that, a lot of times especially the media is a bit complicit in in uplifting these voices so that they can just fall upwards <laughs> you know the people like myself who have to work and struggle and i mean i've got bills to pay and i have a full-time job we're not trying to um exploit people who are already vulnerable you know i mean that shows like a, a lack of morals in my opinion and and yeah i can speak to my party's failures <laughs> and I, I wouldn't i wouldn't lie about that you know what i'm saying there's things that we do need to work on um and and i'm not quiet about it at all if you if you ask some of the other green people they'd be like oh yeah we know about her <laughs> you know I, I think that we need to do as much as we can and and some people have reservations about whether or not we can be the party to meet this moment but i i believe we are and I believe we have that capability. Yeah. 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 I, I and, and, you know, how many people voted for Jill Stein in 2016? I mean, she was literally on the ballot in 45 states. And I think she was a write-in for, I think, three or four other states. So she pretty much had almost the entirety of the United States covered. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people loved the platform because it was such a worker and poor people-centric platform to the point where, you know, uh, they try to keep her out of the debates, mm -hmm. you know. Even um, now, she's facing legal battles. Uh, they want her to pay back $175,000 or something like that. And she's she's in court at this moment. Like, she's been, it's been an ongoing thing. Uh, and they, they, they punish people, you know what I'm saying, giving, giving people an option. And that should just show highlight for most of us that it's, that it's corrupt the system is corrupt you know yeah 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 and you know it, it and yeah. also you know people who talk about well the democratic party is doing what they can for democracy and it's like if the democratic party is doing what they can for democracy then why are they making it harder for third parties to get on the ballot yeah, they sued. They tried to kick people off the ballot in Texas. Um, and not only that, I mean, why is Pelosi backing anti-abortion Democrats? Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. And then they're barely willing to speak, you know what I'm saying, on, on the problems there within. I mean, O'Rourke didn't endorse 
um, Cisneros. Like she's, we're not even on the same party ticket. And I'm like, people are like, Hey, do you care if I vote for her? And I'm like, yeah, you should probably vote for her. So like, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's important, you know, for you to vote for your values. You don't yeah. owe anybody back. Yeah. That's your voice, you know, use it how you want to. Um, but they're complicit, you know, because they, they, they ignore the underlying issues. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we're going to tear down Rob Elementary. And it's like before an investigation, really? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the elementary school in Uvalde. And the community yeah. is very upset. And honestly, a lot of us are still hurting by what happened because this isn't normal. This shouldn't be normalized. Um, and this isn't a talking point for your agenda. You know, um, there are things that we can do, though, and community members can hold people accountable, and they should. That's your right. You know, that's that's part of what we support is direct democracy. You have power. There are more of us than there are them, and if they're not going to work for us, they shouldn't have their jobs. Most of us that don't do our jobs get fired. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it is. So why is any other institution above that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, I think this is, you know, one of the reasons why I think that uh, people who are in Texas need to know that there's always a third option. I think we're constantly being told that there's only two options. And the two options are are either die by fire or die by drowning. And it's like, well, I choose the option to not die at all. Right. Right. You know, and then here comes the third option. But they but but it's almost like uh, it's almost like you go to the store and you have these two horrible products to purchase. But then you look way in the back of you know, of the shelf and you're like, but, but what about that? And they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You don't, we don't want that. And it's like, but it's the better product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, and, and and one of the things that I actually want to say this and anybody can clip this, put it, post it on Twitter. I don't care. To the people who have larger platforms, I'm talking to you, Crystal and Kyle and friends. I'm talking to you, Breaking Points. I'm talking to you, Mike Figueredo. I'm talking to you, David Dole. I'm taking. I'm talking to you. Hell, I'm talking to you, TYT. I'm talking to all of you. Is your dedication to a party or to a policy? That's the question. If your dedication is to a policy, look right here. Single payer healthcare, want to decriminalize marijuana, has reparations, you know, on their on their platform, uh, you know, wanting to abolish ICE, you know, all these different things. If you're somebody that's working class, wanting to raise, you know, the the living standards, making sure that you will never go homeless ever again, trying to make it so that you can have a living wage, no matter where you work. Making or sure that you work. have a planet. Yeah. Like all these different things. It's like if you're if your dedication is to a policy and not a party, have the lala on. 
Go ahead, do it. Do it. Put your put your money where your mouth is because the thing is that a lot of people are not willing to do something. And then you know, and 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 please miss me with the oh, but the greens aren't just that popular. You have millions of subscribers, millions collectively. Make them popular. Make people like Delilah, make people who are in independent parties, make them a household name. Make them. Because the thing is, if, if Battle Work could be a household name, Delilah can definitely be a household name. You know what I mean? Especially in Texas households. So the thing is, is that my thing is, if you truly care about democracy, you don't just care about the two parties. You care about everybody that wants to make democracy better, right? That's that's basically what I want to say. That's the thing, though. You say you support democracy, you fight for democracy. Then why don't you think people should have choices? Why don't you think people's needs should be addressed? Why are you beholden to the corporate establishment and the financial interests that are denying so many people their basic human needs? Mm-hmm. That is that is what, to me, you know, if we're not popular, it's because we're not getting paid to say things that don't make any damn sense. <laughs> we're not being paid to say, oh, wait till, you know, this year, wait till the election, wait till, no, we're not like that. You know what I'm saying? We're the ones that are like, we're, was your concern? I mean, anybody can get involved in a state party and have their voices heard at least. You know, everybody deserves representation. We don't even have fair elections here. But as a statewide race, mm-hmm. everybody who's like, she can't win. Yes, I can. <laughs> People can speak up for them damn selves, okay? <laughs> and and they should. And, you know, my last name, Barrios, translates to neighborhood. Mm. Okay. So I'm from your community. I care about your people. We are all the same. I do not owe anybody. I didn't make any promises to any corporations. I'm not friends with Elon Musk. I am not here to pander to the wealthy billionaire class. I'm here to fight for the rights that we all need, we all deserve. And I know that that's revolutionary, but so is love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what we're here for, you know. And yeah. thank you for sharing your platform because uh, you know a lot of people are scared to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like I said, you know the, you know, and plus you're a huge advocate and you put you you practice what you preach regarding uh, direct action. And so I would like to see more people who run for especially a lot of local offices. Um you know, use the direct action tool to push for these policies outside of the government while they're still running. Mm -hmm. So that they can push for it, even if they're not successful in that way, they're successful on the outside front. And so I think that that is the best thing to do. And look, I'll even put it out there here this way. I don't care if you're a Democrat running in Texas, if you're if you're running like for a state seat or if you're running for Senate or House and, you know, you see her policies, Delilah Berrios's policies that are better than anybody else who in the Democratic Party. I honestly think that 
yeah, it may be a little bit of a political suicide to endorse her, but I honestly think it would be great to even say, well, you know what? We're not in the same party, but her policies are top notch. Because the thing is, is that here's my question. Are you loyal to a party party or are you loyal to, to a policy? Are you loyal to the people? Are you loyal or to are the you loyal to the establishment? Yeah. Because that is the line in the sand. Yeah. If you're telling us to hold our nose again, you're telling people, oh, we just have to turn the state a, a, a specific color so their deeds can be ignored further. No, you're not dedicated to the people. You know? You're dedicated to the establishment. You're dedicated to making money with the establishment, which means you've turned your back on the rest of us. That's how I see it. That's why I'm running, because I was like, there's no way. There's no way. This is why people don't vote. They feel like nobody cares about their needs. And thank you so much for coming on. I want to appreciate, you know, uh, express my appreciation for you willing to come on my tiny little channel. And I Oh my God, I love you. You're great. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I'm so happy you have your own show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, be sure to also, if you guys can, you know, uh, follow Delilah also on Twitter. I also have that also in the description as well. Uh, if, you know, you guys have any questions for her, you guys can always direct them to her. She's quite active on Twitter uh, and, you know, talking to the people as always. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much. Um, and I will be continuing on just for a little bit, but I appreciate you coming on, Mr. Lila, and thank you for, for being here. Thank you so much. Okay. I hope you have a good day. I appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was a great conversation. I... I'm quite happy to have it. Uh, and there's also more uh, independent uh, as well as third party people that I would like to have on, especially a lot of ones who are local. So people who are going for city council, comptroller, uh, I don't care, dog catcher, I don't care. Um, if they have great policies as well as trying to couple that with a heavy hand and direct action, then yeah, I, I, I'm definitely down to talk to them because the thing is, is that number one, we're going to save us by doing what was done in the past by being heavy on direct action. Number two, uh, having a strategy of, putting more voices out there that are outside of Duopoly that actually want uh, something even better than what the two parties try to offer us, you know, at least they're there so that we can say, okay, but this person has something way better. And even if that person doesn't win, if enough people get behind them, then it can actually move you know, things, you know, further to the left and, and, and less authoritarian um, in that respect. So that's one of the reasons why I also wanted to have, you know, her on. 
Uh, I'm also trying to get other independent and third-party people, people who are particularly anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, and anti-white supremacy, anti-colonialist, if they can. you know, uh, shout out to all my fellow members of RBN who, you know, we had a third party summit. Gosh, has it been over a month and a half ago, something like that? But yeah. So, you know, I want to reach out to all of them as well as more people and ha- talk to people who, you know, ran in these parties in the past. People, you know, like Dr. Jill Stein, people like Ralph Nader, Cynthia McKinney. Uh, I would love to have conversations with them. Ajimo Baraka. I would love to have these conversations with them as well because uh, it it can give you an insight into what uh, the machine is like and and running in these areas. Uh, But also, it can also give us more of a scope of, you know, different ideas you know, you may have somebody that's thinking about running. Maybe, I don't know, they could be running for city council, but, you know, they could, you know, give them guidance through one of these interviews. You know, people like Shama Sawant, you know, um, which I can't wait to have on uh, to talk about these things, uh, to, to increase these little victories so that we can make a big punch as far as the material conditions of poor and working people. I think that's, I think that's something that I really want to do. Uh, so yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be going to the chat really quick. Um, yeah. Margaret Kimberly. <laughs> Auntie Margaret. <laughs> I'm going to start calling her Auntie Margaret, man. Cause she is a sweetheart. She, she's brilliant and she's kind, you know, and then she's cool with my, my homie, you know, Danny Haifong, which I think, Danny, if you're watching, I need you to come on here. I need you to come on here because number one, you're a really brilliant man. And number two, I need some education in special regards to some foreign policy and I need to pick your brain. Also, you know, while I'm at it, I want to get people from the gray zone here. People like, you know, Max Blumenthal and Aaron Monte as well. Because the thing is, is that, you know, I don't think that journalists like them, people like Margaret Kimberly, people like Chris Hedges, people like Danny Haifong, I don't think that they truly get enough of the the presence, you know, as they should, because these are very brilliant people, people like Ronnie Akalik. You know, I, I want them to have a, a, a larger voice because we have too many imperialist, war-loving journalists that acquiesce to the military industrial complex, to, you know, uh, to U.S. foreign policy that actually uh, degradates the world. And so the people who are anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist, you know, anti-colonial, these are the ones who I want to talk to 
and, you know, use my platform to kind of be more like a bullhorn to go out there and say, look, you know, these companies, they're lying to you because they basically have a financial incentive to degrade these people in other nations, to degrade the people in this nation. That's, you know, one of the people who I actually want to have, you know, so people from the gray zone, uh, people from uh, Black Agenda Report, uh, you know, they, they get it. And they studied the history behind it. And they can actually give you uh, a good background into, like, for instance, why should Black people care about foreign policy? Like how many, how many of us that are that are black actually talk about foreign policy that much? And I think I think foreign policy should also be a black issue. Because many of the people who watch me right now that are black, they care, you care about foreign policy because you realize this is also an issue. Like for instance, you care about what's going on with the Palestinians. Because you know that the Israeli Defense Force trains our police officers, and then the police officers use that training on us. This is why we care about foreign policy. Because you, you see what's going on abroad and how it directly affects or indirectly affects us here at home. So, you know, I you know, I I, I want to kind of push that out there a little bit more. And one of the people who actually influenced me to do this more is actually Nick from RBN. And I saw him earlier in the chat. Shout out to you, Nick. Uh, but I think that that's something that should be more implemented, uh, especially for those of us in the black community, you know, so, so good to see everybody here in the chat, all the usuals, um, and I, I'm sorry I didn't get to do my usual introduction this morning, well, this afternoon, but I wanted to make sure I got to all my questions, which I was able to do it because it, it was a, it was a, you know, conversation. And, and I know we didn't get to touch on everything as deeply as I wanted to, but at least you get somewhat of a surface level of information about, you know, what her prescriptions are for you know, the state of Texas, which means that what, what is somebody, what if somebody uh, who is like one of us wants to run in, I don't know, Rhode Island? What if somebody wants to run in Illinois that's like us, that wants to be independent? Or what if somebody in, I don't know, uh, Nevada that wants to run? So, I mean, if that's the case, then hell, you know, let, let, let's get behind them. If they don't want to be part of the duopoly and they're, you know, anti-imperialist and anti-capitalist, then let's go. Let's talk about these things. Because the thing is, is that people have been screwed left and right for too long um, by both parties. And from what we've observed, especially from people like Joe Biden, is that he is cut from the same cloth as Trump. I mean, what 
what was the what's the uh the typical um saying that we're on we're on Reagan's 11th term basically we're on Ronald Reagan's 11th term because every single president that we've had since him has been a variant of Ronald Reagan we've had black variants we've had Texas variants we've <laughs> We've had Arkansas variants of Ronald Reagan. We've had ones that we've had variants of Ronald Reagan that expressed, you know, uh, that they are down with the queer community. Even though it's rhetorical and not without any substance. You'll have ones that are variants of Reagan that express that they're down with the black community, but then they're willing to, you know, bail out the banks and let black wealth tank. You have ones that say that they're, they're, you know, with the forgotten man, right? And that they wanted to make America great again. And yet they continue to do the exact same things as their predecessors. You have one that says that he wants to return to soul of America, return, you know, bring back the soul of America. But what he doesn't tell you is he wants to bring back the white supremacist soul, the the, the anti-woman soul. He wants to bring back the anti-worker soul of America. He wants to bring that back, you know what I mean? He appeals to the, you know, the, the modern day Rockefellers and Rothschilds and Carnegies. Yeah. They actually have more in common with him than they do with any one of us. So, yeah. I, I'm tired. And I know you are too. Hell, you know, How does your heart feel every single time you have to pay your rent? Every single time I look at my bank account and I see that the pop, that that withdrawal, oh, it just it hurts you right here. It's like, oh, all that money for this place. And just a few years ago, it was way less. Oh, I can't take it. Every single time you, 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 you're thinking about, man, I can go for some barbecue right now. I want to go to the grocery store, you know, maybe get a nice rack of ribs, may, you know, maybe get some corn to cob, maybe make, make a few shish kebabs. But then when you go to the store and you look at the price, you're like, ah, ah, it used to be so much cheaper just three years ago. What happened? Ah. Every single time you go to the doctor. And then you realize, oh, that'll be $50 for your copay. Ah! Oh, I can't take it. Ah, ah it hurts. Ah. Every single time you hear about mass shooting, you hold your heart and hurt. Every single time. You look at our education system and you realize that our children are being underserved. You hold your heart in, in pain. 
every single time you see somebody standing out on the street corner with a cardboard sign saying homeless will work for food, God bless, you hold your heart in pain. Every single time you look at your paycheck and you realize that your money just doesn't go as further as it used to and you hold your heart in pain because back in the day in our parents and our grandparents time, they used to be able to survive off of one income. And then you realize that the system that we're in, every single bit of this pain is by design. Every single bit of this pain is intentional by the powers that be. Because they got pissed off during the 50s and 60s. Because they saw that people were living a little bit better. Even though there were still people suffering, there was a a large amount of people that were living better, especially a lot of white people. They were living better. So a lot of these people who are super rich were like, you know what? They got a little too much now. So we have to take more from them. And that's the way capitalism operates is that it, it doesn't see an end in sight to its greed. And so it makes cuts. It makes price cuts makes uh, your your real estate prices go up a little bit more and they make the gas prices rise a little bit and then they make the food prices rise a little bit because they gotta keep that profit margin on the up and up we have to make more this year than we did last year because if we don't then well we just have to make more But that's the cycle, man. So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the you know reasons why you know we always talk about direct action. You know, we talk about getting uh, these people out of the way, having more of a direct democracy. Hell, I say stop making the United States a constitutional republic and make it a direct democracy. But is that a little too much? Well, fuck it. I don't care. But yeah, so mm-hmm. Bill Bradley, and you're speaking my language. There's a reason why I like you, Bill. Uh, but that's on the right trajectory. I just want the workers to own, <laughs> you know, basically all the industries collectively and just do that. You know, I want democracy in the workplace. Uh, who else is in here? Hey, Robin. Yep, yep, yep. I like pickles, but not that kind of pickle. Wait. Hold on. Did I just say what I thought? I didn't mean it to sound like that. (laughs) Or did I? 
<laughs> oh lord what the hell was in that drink um Wabakin says we have to organize an alternative financial system under bottom-up popular control. Um, yeah, so the, the great man himself, Roger Meadows, which I can't wait till I'm on Rockfin because he has so many great takes. Uh, but Roger Meadows has been talking about uh, public banking. And from what I remember, I think we used to have public banking in the United States. It was under the, the United States Postal Service. We had postal banking. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But the thing is, is that that actually is a great way so that people are not subject to uh, the predatory practices of these private banks. And so um, I... That's something that I would love to see more of is number one, bring back public. And I think I think public banking from the United States Postal Service ended in the 60s. The early 60s, if I'm correct, I got to look that up, but I think I remember reading about that. But it's, 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 it's things like that, like, you know, public, you know, publicly owned banks again, right? So, you know, things like that. Um, who else did, did I see? Gamer! Gamer's in the chat. So good to see you, Gamer. All right. Uh, I said hello. Uh, let me see. Uh, and Jean Catherine the Great. So good to see you. Uh, unions have not failed in Costa Rica. They make the country what it is actually could be this way in the U.S. as well. Yeah, um, you know, more more unionization is good, but unionization is is to me unionization is the pit stop to worker ownership. But yeah, um, hello, violin. So good to see you. Says Bank of North Dakota is a public bank, only one in the United States. Yes, that's what um. Roger Meadows was talking about that, the North Dakota Bank. And, I mean, the fact is that they actually, uh, it, it helps, what he explained was that it helps create a surplus. In fact, uh, Jimmy Dore last night was actually talking to Peter Schiff. I think Peter Schiff's a libertarian. Uh, but anyways, um, but, you know, Roger Meadows actually left a comment on Rothman talking about the, the, the Bank of North Dakota talking about how they actually built a surplus in North Dakota because of it being a, a public bank. And so I think that's something that um, I need to look more deeper into ballot initiatives uh, to see about trying to push more public banking because public banking, honestly, uh, even people who may be conservative would, would probably be game for it because they're like, well, that would, give us a, a surplus, which means that we can actually pay for a lot of the things that people want, the public services. I mean, you know, and I'm not talking about the, I'm not talking about the the, the upper echelon people. I'm talking about, no, the regular people, the working people, you know, people, you know, who are, or, or poor people like, you know, like us, you know, they, they would care more about public banking because, 
it's they're not out to make a profit. You know what I mean? So, uh, let me see. Okam the Bold says Peter is a gold bug. His father died in jail for refusing to pay tax. <laughs> Damn, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Who else is in the chat? Uh, oh, Violence says FDIC rules change after 2008. Now your deposits can be seized. You're last in line. Yikes. Yeah. CBC Voter is in the chat. Good to see you as well. I'm making up for when I didn't get to do this earlier because I wanted to get to all my questions with Mr. Lila. But, you know, uh, Violence says everyone hates the banks. Glenn Ford, rest, rest in power. Yes, rest in power, uh, Mr. Glenn Ford. But, yes, everybody, everybody hates the banks. Um, I would love to see Amazon become a gigantic worker co-op. I would love that. Yo, you know what? I want to see Amazon become a worker co-op. I want to see Apple become a worker co-op. <gasps> if Apple became a worker co-op, because and here's the reason why I say that, because there is this culture around Apple, right? And so that culture could breed into, if you're not in a worker co-op, you ain't cool. Let's make worker co-ops cool. Let's make worker-owned companies cool. Like, and, and, and you know, there was... There was a, uh, we were, we were reacting to, uh, RBN live on Tuesday and CJ, we were reacting to a video by, um, by second thought, by the way, shout out to you, JT from second thought, uh, great videos. I, I highly recommend that you actually subscribe to his channel, but he was talking about, um, about workers owning uh you know worker owned businesses something to that effect but he was talking about how there was a uh was it a sandwich shop or a pizza shop and the boss decided to instead of pocketing the surplus labor the surplus value of the labor that the workers were doing he decided for one day just to pay every one of his workers their you know the profits from what they produced from the sales of that day and it equated to i think 71 dollars an hour so imagine instead of all the money going up to the top imagine if it being distributed because everybody put their blood sweat and tears into that business through their work and they were able to get their surplus value their surplus wages from the labor that they produce back into their pockets. Just imagine that. I thought I think it's something that, you know, I would love to see, especially in Apple, because I mean their prices are extremely inflated, you know. But, you know, they typically have this 
this culture of Apple only. And I'm just like, okay, well, you know, how about you translate that to worker co-ops and hey, you're off to the races. So yeah. All right. So we are approaching at my cutoff time. And oh, by the way, uh hang on one second. One second. One second. Don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Before before you click out the video. I forgot this. I forgot it. But uh, I'm going to be doing a recording of chapter one of Dirty Truths by Michael Parenti on this channel. So I will be doing that. Uh, and so if you guys would like to hear that, um, then great. Um, I'm going to be doing that as well because I am diving into theory myself. Uh, and I want to learn more about, you know, what I want to practice. So that's what I'll be doing. So uh, if you guys would like to hear that, um, I'm going to try to put it out either tonight or tomorrow. But, hey, you know, I've always wanted to be a, narr a narrator anyway. So this is my this is my opportunity to do it. So anyways, uh, I just want to thank all of you for joining me today. Uh, so, uh, you know, listen out for me next week on Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as per usual. Um, and we'll be talking about different things like that. I want you to take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Water yourselves, water your plants, leave the world better than you found them, smoke them if you got them, drink them if you got them, and kind people are my kind of people. Yeah, so just make sure to express kindness wherever you go. Forehead kisses. All right, I love you. Every single one of y'all. Y'all are beautiful. Just look at yourself. Look at yourselves in the mirror. Ain't y'all beautiful? Have a lovely day. On the road again. <laughs>